All right, we're talking about 10 keys to healthy relationships, using the Ten Commandments as kind of our template, and um, looking at the ways in which our relationship with God affects our relationships with one another. And uh, this morning, we're going to talk about the fourth commandment, which is to keep the Sabbath. And before we do that, let me just, again, prepare your mind and heart to sort of grapple with what that means, to keep the Sabbath. Uh, as you know, our precious pastor, Billy Graham, died this past week. And uh, do you know that he, he ministered to every president, from President Truman all the way through President Trump? I mean, that's, that's a long time. And I uh, had a chance to meet with him, pray with him. And one of the, the key things they said about Billy Graham was that uh, several of these presidents said what impressed us was he's so approachable. He's not a big, powerful, scary guy. He's just very, very humble and friendly and easygoing and easy to be with. And I thought, what a perfect picture of Jesus to have that dynamic, I mean, fear of God, fiery preaching style and yet, personally, he's just like one of us. And I just love that about him. So I heard somebody say, yeah, it's been reported that Billy Graham died. And then he followed it up with, that's fake news. He's actually more alive today than he's ever been in his entire life. He has not died at all. He goes on to live in heaven. So speaking about fake news, it's also not true that... Um, the faster you go, the faster you go. The speeding up of life is not necessarily a good thing. Speeding up and increasing our intensity is not necessarily more productive living. There's a, a young man who became famous in uh, 2015. His name was Dallas Seavey. He took a whole different tack to running the Iditarod. You know what that is, right? It starts on, I think, March third this year. It's a race from Anchorage, Alaska, all the way to Nome. It's exactly 1,000 miles in the snow, mushing with dogs, dog sleds and dog teams. And uh, Dallas Seavey was the first, or the youngest man to win the Iditarod in history. He's 25 years old. And here's, here's what he said about his strategy. He says, it takes an uncommon amount of confidence in your dog team to watch all of those front runners get away from you. So in other words, he's starting off slow, and everybody else is taken off in front of him. He says, when you rush, however, you can exhaust a team to the point of losing the race. So he didn't charge to the front until later in the race, but still reached the finish line in Nome an hour before his closest competitor. And so to rest some of his older veteran dogs more, he sometimes carried them in his sled for long, long stretches. And he said, our motto became, and you've heard this before, the more we rest, the faster we go. Isn't that powerful? So there's something to this speed of life that our culture is, is kind of drawing us into, trying to suck us into, that we need to stand against. It is not necessarily helpful. Uh, we're becoming, an, a, a, what do you call, we are a generation of people addicted to intensity. There was a... Um, a pastor's conference I went to years ago, and uh, this gentleman, who was a psychologist and a born-again Christian, he said, you know, people don't realize that every time we are feeling stress and react with 
an outflow of adrenaline in our bodies, it produces this side effect called cortisol. Cortisol is damaging to the body. Adrenaline is good. It gets you out of trouble or through a project or something. It gets you excited and you get pumped up for. But the after effect is the release of cortisol, which absolutely destroys the body. And he said pastors are particularly prone to adrenaline rushes. We are often adrenaline junkies. But that's not just among pastors. Isn't that true among parents? When your kid's freaking you out, or they don't come home on time, or you get into some kind of a squabble with your spouse, or you're at work and you're under pressure, there's all kinds of things that, that kind of communicate this message that I just have to try harder. I have to work more, longer hours. I gotta go faster, faster, faster. And so there's this addiction to intensity because we're being taught by our culture this is supposed to be now the new norm. And then somebody came up with this was brilliant idea that multitasking was a good thing. That's clever. You know, they say productivity goes down about 30% when you're doing two things at the same time on both projects. 100% focus makes all the difference and makes for a much more productive kind of day. There's a book that was written called In the Praise of Slowness. And uh, in it, they tell a story about the Japanese. Uh, they have a, a word in Japanese. It's called karoshi, and it means death by overwork. And it comes from an actual situation. Uh, this young man, Kame Suji, was a broker. He put in 90 hours a week during the stock market boom back in the 80s. The company trumpeted his superhuman stamina, making him the gold standard for everyone else to aspire to. Asked now to train senior colleagues, piled on extra burden on his shoulders, but then when the bubble burst in 1989, he worked even longer hours to pick up the slack. In 1990, he suddenly died of a heart attack. He was 26. We have to understand we're not superhuman. And when the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ, it doesn't mean I can become a Boeing 747 jet and just fly at 1,000 miles an hour. Oh, you got a picture. There's Dallas. Yeah, winner of the Iditarod. The more we rest, the faster we go. There's another uh, thing. I, I don't want to be a Karoshi victim. How about you? I want to I last until my last day, the one that God assigned in his book. Um, Christians used to say, I don't want to rust out for Jesus. I want to burn out. Well, I say, I don't want to rust out or burn out. I don't want to be out. I want to be in. Right? So we need to preserve ourselves and find out what is this idea of Sabbath rest that we're supposed to work into our everyday life. Uh, I heard from the Highway Patrol recently that uh, more auto accidents are caused by drowsiness than by alcohol. That's interesting. So let's take a look at this idea of the Sabbath. Um, is there anybody like doing anything about this perpetual speeding up of life? Fortunately, there are. There's a handful of people who are saying, you know what? I trust God more than I trust my ability to produce. And so I'm going to live my life according to his world, his principles, and his ways. And that's where this commandment about the Sabbath comes in. And I think it's the next slide we'll find out. Yeah, Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. So here's what God says, speaking through Moses to the people of Israel. He says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. 
On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals. Who would have thunk? He's concerned about the animals resting too. Nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. So you have to ask the question, why did this show up in the Ten Commandments? Where did this idea originate? Um, it's pretty clear that God said, because I rested on the seventh day, you must too. But, but why? What's that all about? So we have to keep in mind, he's in the process of transforming this kind of ragtag tribe of squabbling Jews, two million of them, into a cohesive, unified caring, compassionate, attentive family. He said one of the keys to that is segregating your life of work and rest and not trying to always work and produce and produce and produce. You know, all the Ten Commandments actually are like this. They, they actually have things that look like a restriction, but they're actually guardrails to keep us safe and free. All the commandments are like that. You know, they're laws, yes, but they're actually, in a larger sense, principles to live by, whether Old Testament or New. They still are in effect. Would you say amen to that? Amen. In fact, uh, there are some wonderful things in the early days of our country when uh, the founders were putting things together, the Constitution, the Declaration, trying to figure out what's it, what's it going to take to make us a cohesive, caring, unified family. And here are some quotes that I found that I thought were, were quite fascinating. There's um, this guy named Robert Winthrop, Speaker of the House, Representatives. Go ahead. Let's look at his quote. He says, Men, in a word, must necessarily be controlled either by a power within them or by a power without them, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or by the bayonet. That's a wonderful saying, don't you think? That's just a fact of life. People who try to take the Bible out of our government or the concepts and precepts of the word out, they don't understand this. They think, no, we can be internally ruled and we're trustworthy. We're not going to go south, Tanya. We're going to be strong and caring and loving and godly and law-abiding citizens. Not so. That's a fact of human life. There's another one. Benjamin Franklin, signer of the Declaration of Independence, said, Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. Would you say today, when you read the news, that's kind of what's going on? The more broken our society becomes, the more people want to make laws and give the government more and more power. It's unfortunate, but you take Jesus out of a community, you got to replace it with something, the bayonet or more laws. So all of that to say the Sabbath is the same kind of thing. You've got to honor God's way of seeing things and doing things. And so when you ask the question, why the Sabbath? I've got a definition here in Hebrew. You've heard the word Shabbat. It means to cease, to desist, to rest. And that's a strong word. You know, rest kind of sounds like a marginally slowing down of work. But when you hear the word cease, desist, stop, exne, day, don't do any work. <laughs> God really means that. And so you have to recognize, okay, why, did he, why is this so important? Well, he goes back to that, that concept where if you are not careful, you will, be, will begin worshiping idols. That was the very first two commandments. No other gods, don't make any idols. Because he knows there's a tendency in humanity 
to worship everything but our Creator. And guess what? Our ability to provide for ourselves is one of those things. Our ability to accomplish, to produce, to, to make money, to even care and help. We can easily begin to worship our abilities and completely leave God out of the picture. And so I personally think the main reason for a Sabbath rest is so that we don't become those kind of idolaters. Now, I'm going to stop and say, it doesn't mean you become irresponsible. God does it all. I lay back and watch TV. But you have to recognize there's a tendency, especially in the American Puritan work ethic culture, to overdo it. It's just all about me. And if I don't pick up myself by my own bootstraps, man, we're all going down. The enemy will take a strength and try to use it against us. Did you know that? He'll take, you know, if you're a really responsible person, it's really easy to become over-responsible. Do you know any of those people? We have a little thing in our family. We are known, our, our other last name is not Olson, it's Helper. We're all helpers. We found this when we were, I think we were in Peru. And uh, we were all together in a little tiny space with a lot of activity, getting ready for Claire's wedding. And uh, I, I don't know who was the first one to recognize it, but one of us said, have you noticed that we're always offering to help each other when nobody wants it? Nobody's asking for it. We're all fine, but yet we insist on pushing our way in because you obviously need me. It's really, it was a bad habit. And we began to start acknowledging it and noticing it, but it's kind of that same spirit of over-responsibility. Like, without me, you're going to fall apart. You know, that's not going well for you. Let me fix it for you. We have to recognize the enemy can use our strengths against us, and, and being a responsible citizen is one of those things. So you've got to become aware. There's a reason God said, no, there's time to stop, cease, and desist. So the Lord said, you know, if... Um, if you're not going to come by this naturally, what I need to do is make it illegal not to. And that's what he did right here. It's a law. You must observe the Sabbath upon, what do you call it? the threat of death. Literally, I mean, you, originally you could die for working on the Sabbath unless you're helping your ox or something else. So what's the underlying principle? It's obviously more than just telling us to stop one day a week. It's this, when the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that on the seventh day God rested, he chose to rest. He didn't do it because he was tired. God was not tired. So we have to recognize he's not telling us to rest when we get tired. Well, you're going to get tired if you, if you don't take a day off. You know, some of us don't ever get tired. I know people who are just like energizers or bunnies nine days a week. They just nonstop, go, go, go. Do you know any of those? They're just like that. And... You know, it's, uh, it's hard to rest for some of us. But the Lord says, no, don't do it because you're tired. Do it because you need it. There's something that's going to happen to you, something that's going to bless you, it's going to be added to you if you learn to work this principle into your life. So I'm thinking if God can take 14% of his week, that's one day out of seven, and not do anything and be fine with it, shouldn't we? And you also have to realize... Um, Let's see, who is the most responsible being in the universe? God, yeah. Who's the most capable being in the universe? Who's the one who's depended on more than anybody else in the universe? It's God, and he can take a day off. Can't you? Can't I? Psalm 127, one of my favorites is right here. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. 
Don't you know he, listen, enjoys giving rest to those he loves? So if we're going to begin to observe the Sabbath, we've got to recognize um, God designed us this way, and there's something much more than just physical rest and restoration. It's a spiritual principle that teaches us not to depend on ourselves alone, but to depend on God. There are only 24 hours in a day and only seven days in a week, and the Lord designed it that way too. Guess what? He put, he put fences around our schedule. Don't you sometimes wish there were eight days or just 25 hours, please, God? Can we just, if I could just have one more hour, I'd have everything done. Then I could put my feet up. Okay, so we know this is Old Testament. How does this principle apply in the New Testament? The Sabbath commandment does apply today, but this is the one commandment that has been altered by the death and resurrection of Jesus. Remember, the commandments under the Old Testament were ways to achieve God's pleasure. We please God by keeping the law, including bringing our sacrifices, killing them, letting their blood cover our sins. No longer can we please God by keeping the commandments. So the commandments haven't changed, but the way to please God has changed. We don't please him by keeping the law. We please him by having faith in Jesus Christ. He fulfilled the law for me, and I can now enjoy forgiveness and the fullness of God's blessing because of what Jesus did, his work, not my work. I love this interpretation that Paul gives us in Colossians chapter 2. He says, therefore... Because Jesus has finished the work for us, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a what? A shadow of things to come. They were just kind of like models, sort of like a little clay model of your house, not the actual house. A shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. So the principle is that when I'm a Christian in Christ, I actually have a Sabbath rest somehow work into the fabric of my spirit. But the day doesn't matter. The when doesn't matter. The that is what matters. That I have the Sabbath rest of Christ worked into my life. So I still got to find a way to rest about 14% of every week. People used to say, yeah, we're going to church, man. We're going to honor the Sabbath. And I'd say, well, what about the pastor? Is he not honoring the Sabbath? He's working, man. This is a hard day for him and all his staff and everybody else. No, it's not the day. It's the principle. So about 14% of our week, God says, you've got to decease, rest, stop, and spend time thanking him. When it says that this day is holy, or this portion of your week, whether it's broken up into two or three parts during the week or all one day, is to stop and go, thank you, Lord, you provide for me. You're so gracious, God. You're so good. I'm, gonna, I'm actually just going to rest and enjoy your favor that you've given me all week long. I was able to produce. I actually have food on the table, roof over my head. I'm going to enjoy your goodness. You know that's a form of worship? When you're going, thanks, God. Surfing is so fun. Hunting is so fun. I love sitting around doing nothing, reading a book. The Lord loves it because we're saying by our actions, I trust you. Honoring the Sabbath is a matter of trust. And since we have not only this 
explanation from Paul, but we've got actually the Son of God himself kind of demonstrating uh, a Sabbath lifestyle. Did you ever notice he, he didn't exactly work 20 hours a day to get stuff done? Did you notice that there were always people he didn't heal? He would just go home and go to bed. He would leave things unfinished. Did you notice there were always people who needed to be taught, who didn't have the fullness of God's truth in their lives, and he would just say, okay, done for now, see ya. Did you notice that when people were sick, how about when Lazarus was sick, he was shockingly slow to respond. It's like, what are you doing, Jesus? He, I, I would have taken a helicopter. I would have got the medevac called up, you know, get in here, man, quick. Jesus took two days. So there's something he understood about God's overview and overseeing and caring for the big picture of everything he was called to do. And if, in fact, as the Bible says, Jesus only did that which he saw the Father doing, well, apparently God isn't as busy as we think he should be. Right? So we have to kind of get this picture. This, this whole Sabbath principle is about the nature of God's goodness and his care. And his responsibility is absolutely perfect. He never misses anything. So that's the purpose and the point and the background and the principle. Jesus wasn't lazy. It's not that he didn't care. I think what he's also demonstrating is he was fully human with human limitations. I mean, how about, I don't know, he was in this storm in a boat with his disciples and they're like ready to die. And he's, I mean, they had to wake him up. Okay, so he understood something about his father's care that we need to get a hold of as well. There's a book I read years ago. It's called, When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. The title alone is like a sermon, wouldn't you say? Isn't that a great title? I, I snatched that thing up, man, and I, said, I read that cover to cover many, many, many times. In fact, I, I, I bought bunches of them and gave them all away, and I can't even find one anymore. But in that book, it just talks about the guilt motivation and the, the drivenness that a lot of us feel because we think it's the voice of God saying, more, 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 more. We have to stand guard against that and say, no, no, no. I'm going to honor my God by honoring his call to Sabbath. So uh, there's a bunch of great books. This one's called The Overload Syndrome. If you haven't read that, great book, Overload Syndrome, if you kind of struggle with this sort of stuff. In that book, there's a... Uh, there's this, this kind of illustration where it says, uh, you need to keep margins in your life. And the question is asked, well, what's a margin? The margin is the difference between, or the distance between your load and your limits. It's leaving room between, here's the load. I can pick up 50 pounds, but 70 is my limit. But I'm going to keep that 20-pound space in there just in case somebody throws something extra on. And we do the same thing in our schedules. I'm, I can probably get this done in an hour, but I'm going to give myself an hour and a half just in case something else comes up. Those are margins. It's a really smart way to honor the Sabbath throughout your average week. Um, how many of you have driven south of Olympia on I-5? Some of you, yeah? What's the speed limit down there? 70. It's 70, baby, I love it. And of course, we always set our um, automatic pilot to what? About 74, yeah, because we know, you know, it's gotta be five miles over before the, you start hearing the sirens. At any rate, here's my question. If you're going 70 miles an hour, are you going to stay about two feet behind the guy in front of you? No, you're going to kill yourself. We have to recognize, what's that? A lot of them do, yeah, no kidding. Tim runs the bus driving team in the Kent School District. He would know. 
So we've got to recognize that there's that much danger in not honoring the Sabbath as well. The, the chances of a mishap are great. Um, I love my wife, but I'm going to tell a story that she would tell anyway. Um, she just has this thing where she believes if she could just get everything done before she goes to bed, it won't be there tomorrow. I always have to tell her, honey, it will be there tomorrow. Sorry. Have you ever noticed that every time you go to bed, there's something unfinished? There's always something unfinished. There's always something. Um, there's no way. We, in fact, if you're a Christian at all, there's always going to be more you can do. So you can't go by the need or my ability or my responsibility. I, I've got to go by, Holy Spirit, teach me to live this 86% of my life in full productivity, responsible, honest, caring for my body and my health as well, but at least 14% somewhere where I'm honoring you and resting in your presence and your goodness. I'm going to ask you to uh, think about what you might be able to do to apply some of this. Um, you know, I know it's a lesson that maybe you've learned already because you've struggled in the past and you've, you've come around this corner before. Um, but there are some things we, we really could get better at, especially when um, the economy is going on all cylinders, inflation is going to start pressing, cost of living, especially in Seattle, is going to start rising even more and more and more. We're going to get older and less capable and more tired. If we don't learn to start working Sabbath into our daily lives now, then we won't be able to do anything but rest if we wait too long. So I've got some things that you and I can do. I've got a little list here for you. This whole series is built around relationships. Why, why do the Ten Commandments affect relationships? Um, when I was leaving church last Sunday, I had a meeting right afterwards, actually two Sundays ago, and in my car after the meeting, so it's already kind of a long morning, um, I got home, and as soon as I got there, you know, Pam likes to debrief. She's out there with the kids, and so um, she's wanting to know how to go. You know, what are people saying? What's God doing? And she just loves for us to debrief together. But this Sunday, I had already had a long meeting. I was extra tired for some reason, but I was just determined to get straight out into the yard and do this. I had about an hour and a half project I had to get done before I had lunch, because if I eat lunch, it's over. You know, I'm sleeping. So I said, if I do it while I'm hungry, I'm going to go a lot faster. It's going to go a lot better anytime. We've been practicing like, hey, how do you know when to start? And it's, just, it's kind of a moving target. So, so anyway, I, I could tell when I told Pam, I said, honey, I, I need to get this project done first. Then I'll come in for lunch. And I could just see her eyes just kind of darken. They're just, just kind of sad. Because we sort of have this tradition of just debriefing about you and us and what God's up to. And I, I just blew it off. Eh, whatever. You know, guys, we're just like that. Eh, you'll get over it. And when I came back in an hour and a half later, of course, I'm a sweaty, muddy mess. It was a muddy job. And I said, how about now? She goes, it's too late. I'm just, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. And I realized the Lord said to me, Alex, your relationships will always be affected by your energy level. And if you don't save something for those you love most, it's always going to cause something to break down. 
But we don't get to just go take care of churchy business or the yard or even the kids at the expense of our marriages or our children or our best friends. We've got to preserve something for those that God has called us to care for. Energy level greatly affects your relationship. And it's not just relationship with one another, but it's also relationship with God. When I'm tired, baby, I'm not much of a prayer or a reader. So I want you to ask yourself, how are you doing on that level? Are you um, honoring the Sabbath in your life? If you look at your weekly schedule, close your eyes and kind of feel how it feels to you. Or would you like to get better at that? A couple things we can do. Go ahead, Eric. I think we're going to list them all at the same time. Yeah, become discerning. A lot of us don't know what our limits are. We, we have never taken any measurements. Like, how do I know when I've gone too far or what my abilities are? Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what, where your boundaries should be in terms of your time and your energy. It takes discernment. It's not automatic. Um, disconnect. We are a connected society. And it's critical that we know how to say, not available. I mean, I like people. I mean, some of my best friends are people. But we've got to pull apart sometimes and get alone. We need to set boundaries and tell people what they are. You know, you can't call me on Sunday morning. I'm not going to pick up. I don't care how much of an emergency it is. Leave a message. <laughs> Don't take your cell phone to bed. I'd recommend that. Unless you have an emergency pending, probably no need for it. Tame your telephone. Get control of it. Seek intentional solitude. You know what's fun? I like to create hiding places for my grandkids. And the Lord said to me, I like to create hiding places for you. Find a hiding place where you can just get away and be alone. You're going to hear God say things you couldn't hear in the noise of everyday life. And then in all these times when you do pull away, worship Him, thank Him, and appreciate Him. Imagine if we not just heard this sermon, but we put it to use, put it into practice. Wouldn't that be nice? Hallelujah. We've been energized, happy, fulfilled, effective, useful, loving people of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your ten principles, your ten unbreakable laws. And we thank you that when Jesus came, he fulfilled all of them for us so that we don't have to try to work ourselves to please you anymore, but we can have faith in your son and know that our sins are forgiven when we put our trust in him. But Lord, there's still a lot of days to live ahead of us, and we want to live inside the principle of Sabbath. So would you teach us, Lord God, if we've crossed some lines in that regard, to come back, to repent, to do it different. Forgive us, Lord God, if we've trusted way too much in our abilities instead of you. And help us, Father God, to determine where our limits are so that we can let you do your work and we'll do ours and not interfere with each other too much. We thank you for that. And I want to say while our eyes are closed and our head is bowed, if there's something that you feel like the Lord's pointed out and you want to work on, can you just raise your hand and say, Lord, I need your help. Yeah, good, 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 wow. Hallelujah, yes. Good, good, wow. 
Lots of us. Lots of us. I'm not alone. Father, you see our hands, and I thank you that because of our humility, your grace will now pour in like a flood. We look forward to it. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Have a restful rest of your day. Unless it's your work day, rest tomorrow. How about that? God bless you.